Today we were, we're going to be uh, receiving communion uh, towards the end of the service. And so uh, if you want to pass those out, you can actually pass them out while I'm beginning here. And then we'll have that all ready to go. And uh, so we're going to talk about the blood today and the power of the blood. And uh, tell you what, not just any blood, but the blood of the true Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus. And his blood carries within it his life. And his blood carries within it power. And his blood was unlike any other blood. It was the blood of the only Son of God. And so let's begin reading in um, 1 John, over 1 John chapter 5. Uh, we're going to read verse 4 through 8. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 through 8. And I'm going to uh, pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we can remember what he did on the cross uh, through the communion table, your table. And in this we remember, this do, hallelujah, as often as we do it, we remember uh, what Jesus did for us, the price that was paid, and we receive that life that is available through remembering by faith what he did. Father, we thank you for your spirit that he uh, leads and guides us, shows us things to come, that he's our teacher, our guide, our strengthener, that he infuses courage within us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Timothy, uh, excuse me, 1 John, don't, I didn't mean to scare you there, Evie. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, I'm going to read in New King James. And uh, look, she's already ahead of me. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 through 8. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Do you remember in John chapter 3, if I can uh, take a, a little side journey, in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he said, how can a man enter the kingdom of heaven? You, you remember that? He said, you must be what? Born again. You must be born again. And so uh, John wrote the gospel, but he also wrote the epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And so same writer. Of course, same Holy Spirit. But then the Holy Spirit moved on John to write these things. And so, so he said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. If any man, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone, anywhere, anytime, if any man be in Christ Jesus or be united to Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, if you don't behold it, if you don't like gaze at it so as to take it in, you're not going to experience the benefit of it. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have... So, uh, I don't know if you're born again. You've been born from above. How many of you uh, were born again and... You know, it's like you had a major facelift or facial reconstruction surgery. Your body changed. 
No, your body doesn't change. I mean, the only part of your body I'm aware of that I've ever seen change in somebody is, you know, the best time to receive healing in your body is when you receive salvation for your spirit. Because the same faith that saves you is the same faith that will heal you is the same faith that will deliver, deliver you. And so uh, I had a lady one time, pastor's uh, wife's mother over in the Philippines, and um, she was uh, over there and maybe sometimes over here too, uh, but uh, they had a particular very strong uh, religion in uh, Catholicism, so strong that they uh, didn't want you to read John chapter 3 and talk about being born again, like they were not allowed to say it, not allowed to say it. So she was, she was part of that religion, but she didn't have the life of Christ. So there's a difference between a religion and a relationship. And a religion will bind you to its rules and regulations, but it will not bind you to Christ. So a relationship binds you to Christ. You become one spirit with Christ. And so we're all about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, we're about religiously cultivating that relationship. How's that? In other words, my practice of life is every day I'm feeding on the word and I'm praying. I'm, I'm cultivating my relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm allowing him to speak to me. Uh, how do I allow him to speak to me? Oh, Lord, speak to me. Well, the primary way he speaks is through the word. In fact, if he ever says something to you that's contrary to the word, that is not his spirit speaking to you. That is not his spirit speaking to you. Just forget about it. Just forget about it. The Spirit will magnify God the Father and Christ the Son. So the Spirit of God is not going to you, lead you away from the Word to give you some revelation. The revelation is in the Word. So the Spirit will actually lead you into the Word. He'll never lead you away from the Word. He leads you into the Word. God is so smart. You know, he knows human flesh better than we know it. Like psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, different, different professions study human flesh and, and, and reasonings and, uh, you know, can tell you some things that they've discovered. And if you, if you look kind of uh, what they say, you notice that what they have discovered evolves with time. Uh, but, but God knew ahead of time the weakness of, of human flesh. And so he gave us and many believers gave their life so we could have the written word today. So he gave us something solid. Because imagine if it was just all passed on verbally. Praise the Lord. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. There's something wrong with me. My shoe's untied. If I'm on a trip. All right. All right. I have flesh too, and I guess I didn't pay attention to my shoes. Praise the Lord. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, your faith. Your faith in God. That's the victory that overcomes the world. 
So there's lots of, there's lots of junk in the world. There's lots of things in the world. There's lots of thoughts. Uh, but you're not automatically overcoming those. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. God has given to every man the measure of faith. That measure of faith that he gives to every man is a miracle. The only reason I can believe, the only reason you can believe is because God has given you the measure of faith. That is a gift of God. Remember, Peter, uh, Jesus talking to Peter, and uh, Jesus said, um, who do men say I am? You know, he said, well, some say a prophet, some say Elijah, some, you know, so on and so forth. He said, okay. Now, who do you say I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you are blessed because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this revelation, I will build my church. In other words, it must be revealed by God to every person who would accept Jesus as Lord, that he is Lord. Otherwise, you can't come in. You have to. So if you have become born again, if you're part of the family of God, guess what? You have received revelation from God. The greatest revelation from God that any man could ever receive. That Jesus is Lord. Because this confession and this reality is the separation between heaven and hell. Between life and death. Between light and darkness. That Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Well, that revelation doesn't come to your mind. That revelation comes to your spirit. This, it, uh, what does it say? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So my flesh is not overcoming the world. And my unrenewed mind, my reasonings are not overcoming the world. I mean, just look at the news and what's happening and and all of these things, right? And you say, like, well, if they just had me on the news, then I could give them some reason, and, and they would accept. No, they would not accept your reasoning. You know why? Romans chapter 1. Romans, you don't have to turn there. But because of Romans chapter 1, because when you choose to not acknowledge God, you're given over to a debased mind. Now your mind that God designed to function properly no longer functions properly because it's been given over. Not only to do things that you shouldn't do, but there's no wisdom in there. You end up with the kind of wisdom James talks about that's earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, devilish wisdom. But whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So you're not going to overcome the world and the influence of the world by uh, just getting in physical shape, being strong enough, right? Right? I could go places, but I'm not going to go there because people get political and they'll get all disturbed and everything. But anyhow, you know, you can't have a, a weapon that's strong enough to overcome the world. So if you wonder where I was thinking of going, I'm not going to go there. You know, your physical strength. But your mind is not going to overcome the world either. Whatever is born of God. Now, your mind can overcome the world. When it is renewed with the word of God and uh, the renewing process, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 really talks about this, that you actually become transformed by the renewing of your mind. So instead of thinking the way you used to think, your mind 
is changed to such an extent that you are transformed. That's talking to believers who've already been made new creatures. Right? So you're a believer, you're a new creature. He tells new creatures who are one spirit with the Lord, you need to be completely transformed. You need to be completely transformed. And it's going to happen by something in your mind, changing your mind, transforming your mind as, as different as a caterpillar to a butterfly. Completely transformed. Before you're just crawling on the earth at a really small pace, as soon as your mind's renewed, now you're flying on the wind. You be completely transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a lady I know, uh, I didn't know her, but I, I heard of her story. And she went to uh, some of the best Bible school seminaries, learned all this, and then she found out that, uh, you know, in the Bible, there's like, uh, in the New Testament, there's about 134 scriptures that say uh, who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, in him, in whom, by his blood. And so she started studying those, and she'd only done it for about a month, and I think she only got like three or four verses. And she was like, every day, just chewing on those, meditating on those verses, and looking at those verses. And she said, now, I am really confused, she said, because I know I've been born again. And, 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 I, and then I studied it in Bible school. And then she said, but over the last 30 days, I feel like I've been born again all over again. Why? Because she just then started seeing and living in the reality of who she had become. A new creature reality. Then that overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So, you know, we ought to stop trying to overcome the world through things that are not born of God. So I'm not a big one for debating Scripture. You know, the Bible doesn't talk about debating Scripture. It talks about preaching the gospel. If you're hungry and you want to know and you have, a, 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 what do you call it, disagreements, but, but you actually want to know what the Bible says, I'm happy to meet with you and talk with you. But if you just want to debate and argue, I have, I have no time for that. The Bible did not say go and prove that the Bible's true. The Bible said go preach the gospel to him that believes, right? Him that believes will be saved. And so uh, we believe in preaching the gospel and uh, we believe in giving an explanation for the things that we believe, but we just don't believe in debating. There's not a lot of purpose in debating. A lot of that gets you into the realm of reason. So whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So your faith has overcome the world. Praise the Lord. So you've got lots of challenges that come your way. I've been alive for 47 years, almost 48 years. Next month will be 48 years. And uh, I'll tell you what, you, you have some things, challenges that come that you do not expect. Like, I'm like, Lord, this was not in my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't plan on this happening. Well, the Lord said, I don't plan on it happening either. But you're in the world. He knew it was going to happen. But he's not planning for a difficult times for you. 
His plan for you is to bless you and to help you and to prosper you and to give you life. But there is an enemy in the world. And until his time's up, he can pester you and bother you and come after you. But be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. So if you're going to live out of what? Where you're born again. What's born of God is overcome the world. If you live from that part of your being, you will also overcome the world. Uh, we're more than conquerors through him who, who what? What? Loved us and gave himself for us. Loved us and gave himself for us. Through him we are more than conquerors. Oh, that's awesome to be more than a conqueror until you think about the conquering. Well, if you think about the conquering in the power of your flesh or the amazing things that you know in your mind, it would be a little overwhelming. But you know, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And faith is the victory. That means if you live by faith, you're a victor. Well, that means instead of kind of like being disappointed that we have these challenges that are coming, we can actually embrace the life of faith that causes us to rise above every challenge the devil dreams up or schemes up or perverts. Uh, the devil does not know everything, but you know, I think he's a pretty good expert in, in your flesh and how he can... Uh, do things that are enticing to your flesh to try to get you to act in the flesh. You know why they said that. You know what they think of you. You ought to give them a piece of your mind. Just, just tell them. Just give them a piece of your mind. You know they cut you off on purpose, Dave. You know they cut you off on purpose. You know they're, they're, they're impugning your driving ability. Like, listen, I, I man... I was like a lot of military guys, and I, was, I don't want to talk about the military today, but anyhow. Uh, so I, was, I got stationed out here, and then I, I went, and I needed a new car, and so I bought a Dodge Stealth. Uh, I think, I remember if it was twin turbo now. Anyhow, I bought the Dodge Stealth. Man, that thing had such a steering system. I loved it. Like, my favorite thing was to go on these little on and off ramps and go as fast as I could go. It would, like, steer it itself. I'm like, this is amazing. So I'm up at Fort Meade, you know, off of uh, 295 Baltimore Washington Parkway is where I worked and lived uh, most of the time. And so um, I would drive, and there was even a lot of traffic back then. Well, I had, you know, sometimes, where's my younger people? Sometimes when you're younger, you're, you're, you're still learning what's your flesh and stuff. And so I would get in, and for some reason, I had the thought that um, I should be going faster than anybody else that was around. So if there was anybody going faster, I'm doing something wrong. I need to be the one going faster. Thank the Lord for his mercy and protection. And so uh, that thing, you just push the pedal and you're going 100 before you realize it. You're like, and you don't even realize you're going 100. Maybe not as fast take off as a Tesla. I haven't driven one yet, but I hear they're pretty quick on the get-go. And so... But, but literally, no matter who was going the fastest, my flesh was like, you, you, you know, you need to be doing that. You need to be doing that. That's like pride and ego and uh, competition, competition. And so 
you know, you got flesh, I've got flesh. And sometimes you don't even realize, you know, what's your flesh. And so I remember one day I realized, I'm like, now why do I feel like I have to do that? Like somebody would pass me and I thought, you think you're a better driver than me? I'll pass you. And then, then they have the same flesh, so then they pass you. So don't ever do this. But so one time I was driving to see some friends in Georgia and uh, drove through the state of North Carolina on 95 before there was, a, you know, there was a lot of traffic. This is like 30 years ago, so not nearly like it is today. And uh, I'm driving and this, this girl passed, and I was single, and this girl, like she just flies by me. And I thought, if she can do that, I can do that. And so we went through the entire state of North Carolina and didn't go under 100. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad you weren't in the car too. Praise the Lord. But it's, you know, that, that Dave's loving this. That, that, that competitiveness really needs to be channeled in the right way. You know, you compete with the devil. Like, you think you got all these people? Let me, let me show you these people. Yeah. Well, you think you got them bound? You know what? Just one word from God. I'll just, I'll just bring them the word. It will deliver them. Amen. It will set them free, and it's a lot less dangerous. Yes. You, don't get, you, know, you, you don't get a ticket. I mean, I was so nervous doing it. My, my foot, I would still do it, though. My foot was, like, shaking, you know, because I thought, oh, I'm going to get pulled over. I'm going to get pulled over. <laughs> the things that you do when you're young, and you're like, what in the world did I do? Where's my kids? Don't ever do that. Do what I say, not as I did. No. I repented. But whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I'm trying to get to the next point, but we haven't got to the next point. So this is the victory that overcomes the world, your faith. So faith is not the defeat. Faith is not the boring life. Faith is a life of victory. So if you want to have victory in any area of your life, you're only going to have it by faith, by living by faith. How, what is living by faith? Living by what God says about it. Living by what God says about it. Come on, people made lots of different mistakes and, um, you know, thank God for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Amen. The cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm checking to see if I should say what came up in my spirit there. So just give me a second. Praise the Lord. You know, the world has completely different, especially today, has completely different standards than what God has. And the world's ways may seem right to your flesh, but the end of it is difficulty, destruction, sometimes death. Death, at least in the form of separation. And so it is uh, vital that we find out how God says to live and live by that. And this is the victory that overcomes the world.
This is the victory that overcomes the world, living by that kind of faith, that, that we don't uh, succumb to the things of the world. All right, let's look at uh, Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, and uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse... Uh, Well, we're going to focus on verse 9. Oh, let me get to New King James here. Well, verse 8 and 9 is where we'll focus. And then I'll just uh, kind of paraphrase uh, from verse 4. It says, They journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around to the land of Edom, and the soul of the people become, became very discouraged on the way. You ever been very discouraged? The soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. We just um, took a long car ride down to Pastor Mark's uh, camp meeting this last week. It's like 16, 17 hours, something like that. You know, uh, you know, you have a long trip coming and you could just, man, I'm dreading that trip. Why would you ever say that? Because that's how you feel in your flesh. But I didn't say that because I've said that before and experienced the result of it. You know what? It was a horrible long trip. So I'm like, this is great. I got some time to pray. Got some time to uh, chill out, relax, get some stuff done. I have my wife drive half the time and I drove the other half the time. I think about like that. And, uh, you know, what are you going to say about it? Because you're going to have what you say. So if you're just going to see it as like a horrible thing, whatever it is in life, that's just a really small, insignificant example. Uh, it could be significant, but... You'll have whatever you say. So they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around to the land of Edom, and the soul of the people become, became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? wonder what they're thinking about. wonder what they see in their future. What are they meditating on? They're gonna, they see themselves dead. They see themselves dead. Kenneth Hagin, you know, the Lord healed him when he was paralyzed and had three incurable diseases. But he said, before he was healed, he said the Lord had to change through the word what he saw because he said, I saw myself dead. You know, that was so long ago. And in that day, they'd, you know, display your body in the houses. So he said, I saw, I saw them, I saw myself die. I saw them take me out and put me in the coffin. I saw them display me in the living room of the house. And I saw all these people come by and look in at my body, my dead body in the casket. And he said, then I saw myself looking at myself. And I saw myself dead. He said, I heard them sing the songs at my funeral. He said, I saw them carry my casket out to the graveyard. He said, I saw them have the graveside service. He said, I saw them lower my body down into the hole in the ground. He said, I saw them put the flowers on the casket after my body was in the ground. He said, I saw them bury the dirt on top of the casket with the flowers. It's much more sanitary than Brazil. But he said, I, I saw them do this. And he said, then I saw 
I saw the winds and rain of the fall hit the ground. He saw us all the winter time. I saw the spring. I saw the flowers begin to come up in the spring. I saw myself dead. You know, Proverbs chapter 4 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your, what? Say it loud. Your eyes. eyes. What? My words. Don't let them depart from before your eyes. Do you know, uh, Moses, uh, God told Joshua after Moses died in Joshua 1.8 that this book of the law should not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to everything that's written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. One of the greatest ways to meditate is to uh, imagine and you picture it. And so the Israelites here, they were imagining and picturing because of pressure they had in the flesh. Where's the food? Where's the water? What did they say? What they felt. We're going to die here in the wilderness. We should not have even come. Don't think the devil won't do that to you when you enter the family of God. I might as well not even have received Jesus. It was better when I, when I wasn't a Christian. You don't actually believe that. The devil believes that. Your flesh may feel like that. That's because you're trying to do it the wrong way. Do you know, I, I was thinking I should maybe learn golf, but I don't have time for golf. You know how many hours that thing takes? Oh my goodness. But you know, if you try to, I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself, but if you try to do a golf club, and, and, and the wrong way, you could throw out your back. And you're like, this whole golf thing, I, I don't know what people like about this. This is horrible. But let me tell you, you find somebody who really likes it and they've learned how to hit that ball. I mean, you might have a hard time keeping them off the golf course. Because they have experienced something that other people have not experienced. Well, yep, I could go take a club out there, but I pretty much guarantee, unless I had a supernatural anointing come on me, (laughs) I probably wouldn't be that good. (laughs) But I'd have to learn, and I'd have to develop at it. And and I could do that, but I have no plans to do that. And so see, then my life will be directed by what I have in my heart about it and what I say in my mouth. So uh, the people spoke against God and against Moses. So sometimes when you get the pressure on, probably all the time, you better watch your mouth. I like uh, the Copelands, you know, when they started uh, learning about what the Bible says about faith, and they started when uh, she would say something or he'd say something, they'd kind of correct each other in a a loving way, and they'd say, uh, you know, like if Melody said, man, this is going to be the most boring, longest trip we've ever taken. Then my response to her would be, I believe it's coming to pass right now in Jesus' name. (laughs) Just try that. If somebody says something, this is the worst day ever. I believe it's coming to pass right now. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) And so it'll help you kind of straighten up what you say, right? 
uh, because you, you don't want to put your, your faith in those things and you realize, well, okay, I probably shouldn't be saying that uh, because sometimes you say things you don't even recognize that you say. And the uh, best thing that can happen is you, can re you recognize what you say. Right. And uh, if you'll develop your spirit, uh, your spirit man on the inside, be quick to hear what the Lord says and slow to speak, uh, you'll find he'll correct you. So how he corrects me it isn't always, oh, Tim, don't say that. I have like a, um, a stop on the inside. Like I'll start to say something and I can, it's like, ooh, I shouldn't be saying that. And so uh, you can learn to heed the Spirit of God on the inside of you and boy, he'll save you from a lot of problems, challenges. You know, even if you're a fool, they'll think that you're uh, pretty amazing if you keep your mouth shut, Proverbs says. There's a lot of wisdom in the word of God. Okay, so let's skip down to verse 8, and then we got to finish. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, so, oh, okay, um, verse 7, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, and we've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he'll take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. So they whined and complained, essentially, and these fiery serpents came and bit them and killed a bunch of them. And then, uh, so Moses... The Lord said to Moses, verse 8, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it will be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, will live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now I'm going to read uh, verse 9 in Amplified. It says, and Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. Attentively, expectantly. So I'm attending to this. I'm not going to miss anything about it. I'm attending to it. Hey, Dad, can you help me with this? Well, I'm attending to this first. I'm focused on this. I'm focused on this. Expectant, why? why? I'm expecting to receive. I'm expecting to see. I'm expecting there be, to be a change. I'm expecting what God said to happen. Whoever looks would live. I'm expecting the life that is in God, I will receive as I look at the serpent on the pole. Right? So attentively, expectantly, with a steady absorbing gaze. So, so I'm taking it in. I'm letting it come into my heart. I'm letting my, my heart be open to the serpent on the pole. And the serpent on the pole is, I love this, this picture that God did because they sinned and did stuff that they should not have done. They just whine and complain. I mean, you have never done anything like that, I'm sure. But they did. So just look at them in awe and amazement. Like, how could anybody do that? How could anybody do that? So they sinned against God. I mean, they were saying, God, you can't provide for us like you said you could. That's pretty offensive. And this Moses guy, I don't know who in the world he is. You and Moses, 
You and Moses are my problem. I mean, that's really what they're saying. It'd be better if you never got involved in my life and I was being whipped and beaten in the pits of Egypt. See how the devil can like manipulate and deceive just like that? Get you back in the flesh? What do you think they were saying when we were there in Egypt? Lord, did you ever hear our prayers? We need out of here. If you don't ever see yourself in some of that, I'll just say I see myself in some of that sometimes. You're like, where is the consistency? Obviously, my flesh is not consistent. Well, it's consistently inconsistent. Okay. So what I love about this is, and I was looking at it, you know, I'm kind of like, Lord, what, why did you put the image of the thing that poisoned and killed because I sinned, why in the world do I have to look at my sin, my failure, my weakness, my mistakes in order to live? Huh. I wonder if 1 John 1, 9 has any freedom in that verse. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I wonder if that's anything like looking at the serpent on the pole. So, but the thing that, that bit me, that evil thing that bit me, that killed my friends, I'm supposed to look at that, don't look away, take it in, say, so what am I taking in? I'm like the serpent on a pole. Well, if, if you've read the scriptures very much, what was this to represent? Christ on the tree who became a curse. So actually you're saying, okay, Lord, so you want me to take in my sins, the effect of my sins on the tree on Jesus. So he, him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made The righteousness of God. How do you become righteous? Not by doing a bunch of good things. Not by refusing to do a lot of bad things. You are made. You are made by God himself, the righteous, his own righteousness in your union with Jesus. And so when we look at the serpent on the pole, we see Christ on the cross with our sins. We have to look and gaze and see what happened to our sins. What happened? The cross is a place of ultimate shame and despising. And that's where your sins are at. That's where your life is at. You understand on the cross, uh, you know, he, he was whipped with a, a la uh, a 39 lashes with this whip that had balls and then uh, human, uh, not human bones, but bones that were positioned and tied into this lash so they would dig into the flesh. And they actually say that when he was whipped those 39 times, even somebody not even being whipped 39 times, that there would be so much blood released that many people would go into shock and die before they could even get on the cross because they had lost so much blood. And you see, Jesus, he's made to carry his own cross, but because of the weakness, because he'd lost so much blood, they have to have someone else carry his cross for him. And then you see one of the things that happens when you lose that much blood 
is you become very thirsty. Your body wants to replenish the liquids that have come out through the shedding of blood. And so you see his blood was shed before he was even on the cross and all the way to the cross. And I, I didn't even finish reading in, in first John. That's pretty funny. You know, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And he went on there to say he came through the water and through the blood. And you know, on the cross, what happened when the Roman soldiers speared him? There flowed out of him water and blood. The reason that water was there is because he had lost so much blood that water starts to encase your heart. So it's a bloody religion, but it's really a relationship. But the blood of Jesus was not like the blood of a bull or a goat or a calf or any of the other animals which were just a foreshadowing of the true that was to come. The blood of Jesus was truly spotless and without blemish and without flaw. And that blood was shed on the cross. And so when we take in the cross, we gaze at the serpent on the pole. We gaze at our sins placed upon Jesus that he took them, and we really take that in. If, if, if I could have my sin be this paper right here, and then I put this on Jesus on the cross, and uh, if like this was the cross, then I no longer have my sin. And if I recognize that my sin is no longer on me, but it is now on him, and I really uh, absorb that and take it in, I will live the way I'm meant to live. God has made every believer righteous through the new birth. The second you receive Jesus as Lord, all that was wrong about you is gone. And it is placed, has been placed on Jesus. And that becomes a reality for your life as you take that in. And then that affects how you live. Praise the Lord. Uh, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. In just a minute, we're going to remember what the Lord did through the communion table. Uh, but the only requirement really to, to receive the communion table is that you be born again. And so if you're not born again... I would like to give you an opportunity to turn your life over to God by receiving his son, Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 10, we learn that uh, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. In, in, in that instant of time, faster than you can snap your fingers, you'll come out of the kingdom of darkness and you'll be transferred into the kingdom of light. You'll be, go from being a child of the devil to becoming a child of God. And you'll go from unrighteousness to righteousness. God makes you righteous. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to receive Jesus as Lord, just slip up your hand. I'm going to pray a prayer. Uh, and uh, anyone that wants to receive Jesus, you pray that prayer with us. And if you do, from your heart, God will hear your prayer. He'll come in and he'll change your life, make you a new creature. You get a fresh start in life. You get the life of God and the nature of God. Just slip up your hand, whether you're online or right here in the room. And I want believers to pray this with me as we pray with those who are uh, receiving Jesus as Lord. 
Say this. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for you. My life is yours. Father God, thank you for saving me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you just prayed that prayer, after the service is over, please uh, meet us back at the little table back there. Uh, we'd love to get your name so we can pray with you, get you some materials, and uh, help you as you uh, start living your new life for the Lord. If you're online, you can fill out the form there, and uh, we'll connect with you that way. And uh, if you'll take the elements, we have the bread and we have the juice. And uh, the bread represents the body of Christ, and the, the juice represents the blood of Christ. 1 Corinthians 13, we learn uh, the reason that some are weak and sickly among you and many sleep is because they don't rightly discern the Lord's body. Well, what does that mean? Well, one of the things it means is, I mean, for years I didn't understand that what Jesus did on the cross, actually, you know, all those uh, diseases that is known to man can be categorized into 39 different categories. And so 1 Peter 2.24 says, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Uh, and Matthew 8, 17 says that Jesus himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses in his own body. It literally means the word took is the Greek word NASA, which I love because I, I, like, I like the space shuttle. Grew up in the 80s. And so he lifted them off, lifted our sicknesses and diseases off. And so the reason he bore that pain in those 39 lashes was so that we could be healed. And so uh, the bread represents the body of Christ and the broken body, so I, I love to kind of break it so that I remember. So right now, if you need healing in your body as we take this, just gaze upon the broken of body of Christ on the cross from your heart and know, you don't have to know every little detail. You just know that the word says, by his stripes, I was healed, you were healed. If you were healed then, you are healed now. So, Father, we thank you for the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for everything that his broken body accomplished for us and for all the world. We believe and we receive. We thank you for healing in our bodies and divine health as we walk out our full length of days here on the earth. In Jesus' name, take and eat. The word says on the same day that he broke the bread and they received the bread that he gave thanks for the blood. The blood of Jesus redeems you. Every part of you. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for loving us Thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying the price. Thank you, Father, that his blood is holy, and that his blood has set us free. We remember what he did. Thank you for taking us from unrighteousness and putting us in your righteousness. In Jesus' name, take and drink.
Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the power in the blood. We apply the blood. By faith in the blood, we receive your mercy. By faith in the blood, we receive deliverance. By faith in the blood, we direct our faith towards the blood of Jesus, that what his blood did affects us here today. Affects not only what has happened in our life, but the the course and the direction of our life as we go forward. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, that it takes everything in us and straightens it up to your perfect will every single day. Hallelujah. Everything that concerns us, we plead that blood over, over our families, over our jobs, over your plan and path of our life. And we declare, you are Lord. Jesus is Lord, Lord of our life. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.